Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila. And today we are recording episode number 23. And this is a different episode. We're going to kind of steer away and kind of not talk about Major League Baseball for one episode. And which is fine because this is a baseball podcast. I mean, I didn't say that we are specifically only talking about the major leagues, but that's usually what we talk about on here. So I just want to preface that, that we're talking about something a little bit different today, which is the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, that is officially underway. And right now we're kind of in the middle of the first round, the pool play. So we're going to talk about everything WBC that has been going on um, for the past week including the weekend. So let's get started with that. Let's talk about how, let's talk about first what the WBC is. So the WBC is the World Baseball Classic, which is basically a small and short tournament filled with teams from different parts of the world. So different countries, kind of like the FIFA World Cup, but it's shorter, like for a shorter amount of time. And it's kind of set up differently. And there's also a lot less teams participating. So here we have four pools, pools A, B, C, and D, and they're all playing in different parts of the world. And there's about five teams per pool. So the first round, it's teams play against each other in their pool. So basically like each team plays everybody in their pool once, and then whoever has the best record in their pool by the end of kind of playing everybody playing each other gets to move on to the next round and it's the top two teams so it's the first seed and the second seed so that's kind of how it's working and then they go on into the quarterfinals then we have the semifinals and then ultimately the final championship so it's pretty cool how it works um like I said it's literally just a short one month tournament that takes place Um, And this is the first time they're doing it in a while because of COVID and because of so many like restrictions, travel restrictions, things like that. Also things with like the MLBPA when we had the lockout, um, we haven't been able to do it, but it's finally back. It's been about, I want to say five or six years, maybe even seven without the WBC. And it was literally an event that everybody loved. Like people from around the world came everywhere because it's played in different parts too. So it's just kind of a thing that gets, brings people together and brings people around one single sport, which I do think that those are some of the best times that we have in our world. It's just like so nice to see people come together from all over a place. And that's why I think like I love so many of those championships. Like I consider myself not a very big soccer fan. But when it comes to like the World Cup, oh, I'll wake up at 4 a.m. to watch every single game because I just, I love it so much. Like just the atmosphere and the cultures and everything. Even the, oh, don't even get me started with the women's soccer. I love women's Olympic soccer. I literally am obsessed with. So things like that. And it's just like so cool to see. So I'm super excited that this is finally back. And yeah, so let's talk about each of the pools just a little bit just going to give you a brief rundown who's in each pool there's about if there's four pools there's five teams in each pool so that's like 20 different teams um so in pool a it's going to be played in taiwan and that has cuba italy the netherlands panama and chinese taipei 
So those are the five teams in that pool. Pool B is being played in Tokyo, and this one's pretty intense. We have Japan, Australia, Korea, the Czech Republic, and China. That's Those are those teams. And then for Pool C, it's in Phoenix, Arizona. So it's Canada, Colombia, Mexico, the U.S., and Great Britain. And then finally, Pool D is in Miami, and it's Venezuela, Israel, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Nicaragua. So those are the teams that are playing in the WBC, and there's some surprises in there. So just like every kind of championship tournament like this, you have to qualify. So in order to get to the championship, so like there's like a bunch of teams who tried out, probably like, I know Guatemala is one of them. Um, but like if you don't make it you don't make it so you don't get to play here and you have to like compete without having the big leaguers on your team and that's also something that I did forget to mention so each team they have like not all of the teams do but most of the teams have at least one major league baseball player on their team who are who have some kind of like descent from that culture from that country for example like the Dominican team is repped with like every single big powerhouse guy. You have Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Nelson Cruz, who's also the GM by the way, um, Manny Machado, Jeremy Pena, Wander Franco, the list could go on. Basically their whole team is major leaguers. Um, but then you also have like teams like Great Britain, who I think their only major league baseball player that's currently playing in the league. They do have some minor league guys. Minor league guys can enter in this too. You see a lot of them here, but um, the only major league player they have is Trace Thompson, outfielder for the Dodgers on the Great Britain team. So if you have kind of like that descent in you, you automatically qualify. And I think it's even if your family, so not necessarily you, but your family, for example, Austin Barnes, who is a catcher for the Dodgers, uh, his grandmother is from Mexico. So he wasn't born in Mexico. His parents weren't either, but his grandma was. So he does have like Mexican descent in him and he's qualified and is playing for the um, for Team Mexico. So that's kind of how it works. So when teams go on to try to qualify for this tournament, they have to play without having those guys on their team. So meaning that the Dominican Republic does have guys who aren't major league baseball players because that's how they had to get here but now that they're in the championship they kind of I hate to say it in this way but they kind of like say goodbye to those guys and add the new ones in so that's kind of how the process works but yeah we got some stacked teams let me tell you the last WBC team Japan won and absolutely demolished everybody else um so they're back in it again no surprise Japan baseball is so crazy. I I think it's one of my bucket list items to watch a Japan like interleague game. You know, like because the KBO or the KBO is something different, I think. But like watch one of those interleague games in that country would literally be so cool just because the fans and the atmosphere it's so electric and so different than an American baseball game. It's definitely something that I want to do in my life. But anyways, let's talk about the teams people that you need people teams that you need to watch out for also people will get to that later though teams that you need to watch out for so that's what we're gonna be talking about today and yeah so basically this whole thing started in Taiwan 
And let me tell you, the time difference has been a little bit crazy. We had games starting at 11 p.m. my time in Illinois, so that's like central, um, and then 4 a.m. as well. And you better believe that I did wake up to watch those games, um, and I do not regret it at all. I literally spent like two nights on my couch because I was very determined to watch. Because Team Japan is somebody that you want to see. Like they have, okay, Lars Nupar, Shohei Otani, um, who else, who else, who else? I cannot really think. They have so many. Oh, you Darvish. Um, I want to say Masataka Yoshida is on the team. I'm pretty sure he is. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Yep. Masataka Yoshida. Um, basically, the list can go on. A bunch of pro guys. So I definitely needed to be watching that. So the game times have messed me up a little bit. Also, we did have a time change here. So I've been a little bit rocky on that, but I do not regret any of it, especially because watching the games feels like you're there because of how electric it is. Like, like I said, I really want to go because the Tokyo Dome is one of like the seven wonders of the world. Honestly, it could be. I mean, like, it's just such a beautiful place. I've literally seen so many pictures and so many videos and I really want to go, but just the fans are insane and they're so full of energy. I love it. So anyways, I think that's one of the most important things about the WBC is that you see all of these fans from different parts of the world with different cultures, different customs come together and kind of like represent their country is so cool to see. And it's like, it's so like funny in a way too. I don't know. I just love it. Like, for example, the first game was Cuba and the Netherlands, I'm pretty sure. And they had a Cuba fan who was literally first row right behind home plate. And he had a horn, like this big party horn. And he was blowing it 24-7. And you could hear it on the broadcast. I mean, it wasn't even a silent, like, faded background noise. I mean, it was literally super loud. I had to turn down my TV because I was like, what is this noise? But yeah, it was... At, like at the beginning people were like oh my god like somebody takes this guy's horn away like so annoying everybody on twitter was going crazy but then like as the game went on like everybody was like okay wait this is kind of cool because this is this guy has gone to every single cuba wbc game and it's like a tradition that he does and now he's like a hero and everybody loves him so i think those things are super special oh my god just dropped my pen <laughs> those things are super special another thing i'm trying to think Oh, in Japan, when Shohei Otani hit a home run, um, the fan who caught the ball literally passed it down the outfield. So each person in that section could get a picture with the ball or like a selfie or something, and then you would pass it to the next person. So nonchalantly. Like, are you kidding me? That's insane. So you literally see like tons of people, you know, like, and they weren't even like, oh my God, like, like super eager waiting to get the ball. It was so chill. Like the guy who caught the ball was, you know, like freaking out as one does. Right. And then, you know, he takes his picture and then he gives it to the next person. And then they take a picture with the ball, give it to the next person. And they go all around the section until it ends up in the guy who caught it like into his hands. And that's that. Nobody takes the ball. Nobody's fighting about it. How awesome is that? Like, if you would, this is, okay, we're gonna talk about two different things here, but that is just so cool. You never see that happen in a U.S. game. 
Are you kidding me? Like, if you caught a Aaron Judge ball and the person next to you asked you if, oh, can I see the ball? That's pretty cool. I just want to take a picture. Hell no. You're not going to give it to him because what's your first instinct? He's going to take it and he's going to run. And honestly, I, I mean, that's what the people in the U.S. do. You know, we couldn't do that here because you would give it to the person next to you and that person would be gone in a blink of an eye. But in Japan, it's so amazing to see like their culture that they're just so like trustworthy and kind that they don't do that ever. I mean, everybody literally just went around and I loved it. I loved it. Those are the things I love. And this is one of the reasons why I absolutely adore the WBC because it's things like this that just make your day. Like, oh, I love it. Anyways, yeah, so that was, like, another thing. Um, But, yeah, just, like, the whole, like, vibes and energy of the stadium. I mean, at the Puerto Rico game, like, everybody with their instruments, everybody with their music, dancing. It's just a whole big party, and I love it. At the U.S. game, people dressed up like uh, George Washington, you know, people in costumes. It's so cool to see those things because you don't see those in a major league baseball game. You know, everybody's with the jersey, everybody's whatever. And trust me, there are people like that here too, but it's just the different cultures I think are very much expressed at this time. And I mean, honestly, it's like one of the best parts. So yeah, so just wanted to give you guys a little rundown of that kind of just to get this episode started. The topics we're going to talk about today. Let me run down some for you guys. So, we're going to talk about how Team Japan is unstoppable. The Czechs are making a name for themselves. The Mexico and Dominican Republic upset that we had. The U.S. has run into some trouble. Venezuela is showing up in Pool D. And it's more than a game for Great Britain. So, those are the five, six topics that we're going to be talking about today. And just going to kind of go over each one. So let's first talk about Team Japan. Uh, Champions, the last time this was played. So they're coming for the title again. Honestly, they could do it. They're probably the favorite, I'm not going to lie. Just because of the baseball players that they have. They're currently undefeated. They have won every single game in the pool round. They have beat everybody. They beat China 8-1. to one, And not by small margins either. Here we go. China 8-1. to one, Korea 13-14. Czech Republic 10-2. Australia 7-1. to one. Come on. Like you're kidding. I mean, we're talking rally after rally, bomb after bomb, and the pitching outstanding. When you have Shohei Otani and you Darvish on the mound back-to-back days, chef's kiss right there. So, Team Japan is looking to run it back, and they have a new guy on their team who has been a fan favorite, and that is Cardinals outfielder Lars Newtbar, who is a newly recruited Japanese player. This is amazing. If you haven't heard his story, I would definitely recommend that you go and check that out. I'm not going to say this whole thing here because it's a whole thing and I might start crying, (laughs) but um, if you literally search up Lars Newtbar, WBC, Japan story, things like that. It's going to pop up and I'm just going to give you the little rundown, but basically he has wanted to play with Team Japan for his whole life. That's really been his life goal Um, ever since he got into baseball. This is something that he's wanted to do and when he finally heard that this is the WBC is going to be starting again, he jumped at the opportunity 
and he has been enjoying every single second of it. I don't think there's anybody more excited to be on a Japan team than him. He is loving it. I mean, the enthusiasm, and it's definitely there because Team Japan is just such a riled up team full of energy and he adds to it. He loves being on the team and he doesn't speak Japanese. So he has um, Shohei Otani's. Oh my God, I feel really bad because I don't remember his interpreter's name. Uh, I'm going to look it up really quick. He has Shohei Otani's um, interpreter, uh, Ipe, Ipe, yeah, Ipe help him understand what everybody's saying because when like the coaches are giving like the pregame talk, things like that, he doesn't understand what they're saying. So it's super funny because sometimes like he won't get it and Ipe won't be there. So like he doesn't really know what's going on. But he's had Ipe help him out for the majority of the time um, and talk to the guys and everything. But still he picks up on some stuff as well. So it just him being part of the team has been so great. And he also started, he brought the pepper shaker trend to Japan and it has just gone bizarre. I mean, everybody's doing it. You have fans bringing physical pepper shakers to games even big ones I mean we're not talking about like small little toy ones or like just like doing like the hand motions obviously you got everybody in the stands you know doing it but you have fans literally bringing life-size pepper shakers to the game that is crazy where else are you gonna see that it's so cool anyways like Lars Newbar is having himself a WBC too I mean, honestly, he's doing amazing, and this is just a guy that if Japan goes on to win in the WBC, I hope he gets, like, the MVP here because he deserves it. So that's one guy that we definitely needed to discuss on the Japan team, but as well as kind of the face of the team, or there are many faces, uh, Shohei Otani, who has just been astronomical. And he's done what he does. Like, honestly, you're not even surprised anymore because what can't he do? Um, he's had such a good pool run for them. And this is a little bit of like sad news, but I don't know. I want to take it in that way. He's done amazing things with this Japan team for the past week. And now that Japan has advanced and literally swept the pool and are going to the quarterfinals, He's going to start in the first game, and he's going to play. But I think after the quarterfinals are done, and most likely I feel like Japan would make it, he won't be with the team anymore. Just because after that, it starts to conflict with uh, Major League Baseball scheduling. So that's a little bit of a bummer. I mean, nothing's confirmed yet or anything, but I do think that the Angels head coach wants Shohei in camp because he would most likely start on opening day for the Angels. So you kind of don't want him coming off of, you know, a full day pitching. I mean, it's only 65 pitches, but still um, with everything going on. And then the next day he's going to have to pitch opening day. So definitely a guy that, I mean, if I were the Angels, yeah, I would want him back on the team. But so, yeah, so I think that might be going on and he won't be with the team for the rest of the tournament after the quarterfinals, which kind of sucks, honestly. Um, not to say that, like, they probably can't make it far without him because I, I think they very much could. But Shohei's just such a big part of this team. So hopefully, like, I mean, I hope they can work something out, but I think I can also see it on 
the angel's perspective that you kind of, you need your opening day starter there. So that's that. I do think that they can so make it very, very far in this championship for Team Japan. So not really worried on anything there, but just something that wanted to touch on. Um, but yeah, that's really it I have for Team Japan. Moving on, let's talk about the Czech Republic. Because this team has surprised everyone in a different way. So, not in a way where we've really, they've really outdid their self, the, oh, can't talk. They've really outdone themselves. Not really like that because they have gone one and three. <laughs> they won their first game against China, but then they lost the next three games that they had. So they will not be moving on, but they did have a pretty good first game and it's pretty good for guys who literally everybody on their team, mostly everybody on their team has regular nine to five jobs. I mean, you have a dentist on the team. You have an IT technician on the team. You have a teacher. These guys who are on the Czech Republic team, this is literally their side hobby is baseball. How cool is that? So I think that's something really cool and different um, that's definitely been circulating around. But yeah, I think it's just a fun team to see them compete. Unfortunately, their time stops now, but I thought it was just pretty cool. It was all the rave. I mean, that's just so awesome that they have baseball, but then they also have stuff that they do five days out of the week. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. Uh, let's see. So the first games that the Dominican Republic played and Mexico played were kind of an upset for them, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, definitely two strong teams that have a lot of guys in their lineup, also in their rotation, and unfortunately things didn't really go their way. So let's talk about Mexico first. So Mexico lost their first game, like I said, against Colombia and they lost five to four. And that's even with Julio Urias on the mound. Uh they did not do I you know what? I think they did good. Julio Urias shoved. I mean he did amazing. But I don't think I think that our offense, or I say our, <laughs> I'm rooting for Team Mexico because uh, I am Mexican, Puerto Rican, and from here, America. So I have three teams in the WBC, so I will be rooting for all three, but currently number one is Puerto Rico. I go Puerto Rico, Mexico, the U.S., sorry about it, Um, but anyways, even with Julio Arias on the mound, and he did what he usually does, which is pitch exceptionally well, I think the offense didn't really show up until the end, which ultimately cost them the game. We know good pitching kind of wins you games in this type of tournament scenario. So unfortunately, couldn't get the win there. And that was kind of a bad loss. And I think that was such an important game to win because the next game that they played was against the U.S. So, uh, it was kind of a game that Mexico looked at as, hey, we're, we have to win this game because if we don't, then it's going to kind of decrease our chances from moving on because we play the U.S. and the U.S. is a stronger team than Colombia. So I think that going into the game versus Colombia, they, 
had their eyes on winning and unfortunately that didn't happen so it definitely did set up a lot more pressure for that U.S. game Um, and we'll talk about that in a second but yeah so it was kind of a must-win game and unfortunately the job was just not done but they have a lot of good players on their team Luis Arias, Austin Barnes like I said um let me think let me think Alex Verdugo is on the team um Rowdy Telez Randy Arozarena who has had himself a WBC has been um I mean like jaw-dropping I'm the guy hits every single time he's up to bat whether it's doubles whether it's singles and he steals bases he hits for home runs it's incredible so definitely a really big guy in this WBC um, definitely someone to keep an eye on for. So, yeah, so that's kind of what, what happened with Mexico in their first game. And then the Dominican Republic, who has a heck of a strong lineup, let me just say, lost their first game. And it was against a Venezuelan team who has stunned many people. So the N- Dominican Republic has a lot of guys. I mean, not only do they have amazing pitchers like Sandy Alicantra, who was on the mound for that first game. They have Hennessy Cabrera, Diego Castillo, Johnny Cueto, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, Cesar Valdez. Okay, fine. Gary Sanchez, Willie Adames, Jamar Candelario, Robinson Cano, Rafael Devers, Wander Franco, Manny Machado, Cattell Marte, Jeremy Pena, Gene Segura. You know every single guy that I just named. Like, come on. And that's not even talking about their outfielders. Teoscar Hernandez, Eloy Jimenez, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, designated hitter, and GM, Nelson Cruz. You literally know every single name on this lineup. It's insane. So, obviously, these are guys who hit for power most of the time. And, unfortunately, it just did not work out in the game against Venezuela. And... I think going to the first game, they expected to win because, I mean, on paper, look at these guys. But in reality, I mean, they had, they struggled a lot. I'm not going to lie. Um, with having a lot of major league guys in their lineup, they could not score at all with runners in scoring position. That has been a huge issue. And that's even with Cy Young winner, Sandy Alicantara on the mound, who did struggle as well um, in the beginning of the game, it kind of, it turned into a big mix that the DR didn't just not want to be involved in. It was just a lot and sometimes too much. So honestly, I was not surprised just because of the way they played. And then this Venezuela team has been extremely underrated within the pool that it's in which I will get to in a second, but yeah, so Dominican Republic lost, which was a big upset because everybody expected them to win, Um, but yeah, so then they go on to play their next game against, I literally just watched it, it was on right now, against Nicaragua, yeah, so, and they ended up winning that game, Um, so they do bounce back, but they're struggling with scoring with runners in scoring position something that they definitely do have to get better on. But yeah, so that's a little bit about those two teams who a lot of people expected them to win their first games and ultimately they didn't. Um, Moving on, let's talk about the U.S. 
the U.S. of A, the United States of America, has run into some trouble. And <laughs> it's kind of took everybody for a toll. So, basically, the U.S. had its first game against Great Britain. Great Britain is not a strong team. They have Trace Thompson and others. <laughs> no, they have BJ Casey, who has showed up. But for the most part, it's Trace Thompson. Because that's the only name you're going to know in that lineup. Um, and yeah, so they ultimately, not I'm not talking about Great Britain, but the U.S. won the first game against Great Britain. And the score was, I think they won by pretty much a lot. Great Britain did take the lead in the first inning, but the U.S. definitely showed out and won 6-2. to two. So, um, they took that first game, which was, for the most part, predictable. And then the next day, the following day, they played Mexico. Now, this was a huge game. Because previously, I think Mexico beat the U.S. So this is kind of like a redemption game. Also, two teams who have, you know, really good lineups, both of them. I mean, if I haven't already said, the U.S. lineup was stacked for the most part. And also close in range. The game was sold out. Completely sold out. Chase Field sold out literally not a seat available in sight. It was crazy. There were fans waiting outside to get into the stadium like three hours before because of how long the lines took. It was crazy. The atmosphere was crazy. I think there were definitely a lot more Mexico fans, but either way, it was really good outcome and the fan perspective. But unfortunately for the U.S., they lost. They lost huge to Mexico. Now, I'm not talking about it was a close game the whole entire way because Mexico absolutely just took the whole entire game basically and beat the U.S. 11 to 5. I mean, they also no mercy ruled the U.S. Oh, I did not touch on that. The no mercy rule or the mercy rule, I should say, is a rule in the WBC that if you are leading by more than 10 runs by the seventh inning, the game automatically stops. And if you're leading by 15 runs by the fifth inning, the game also stops. So that's kind of what's been honestly going on a lot. Thank goodness for that rule because a lot of these games have ended in a huge deficit. I'm talking like nine to one ball games that we're seeing. I think the other day, somebody just got no mercy ruled, I'm pretty sure. It was like, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Korea. Korea beat China 22 to 2. You're kidding. So, yeah. Anyways, I'd, let's, I hate to say it, but the U.S. just did not play well on Sunday. It was not good baseball that we've seen. Um, they beat them 11 to 5, or Mexico won 11 to 5. And it was pretty heartbreaking to say the least because I think when you have a lineup like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, the list could really go on. You think like, man, this is scary. I think every team is scared to face these guys. And yeah, for the most part, they are. But then when you turn it around and you look at the pitching, you have Adam Wainwright. Okay, good. 
Devin Williams. Closer. Okay. That's it. You don't play one game and then hurrah, if you win, you go to the next kind of champ or uh, part of the tournament. You got to play against every team. You got to play at least four games. Uh, the same guy can't really start for you all the time. Let's just say that there's, there's names. There's names on that U.S. team on the pitching side for sure. But there's nobody that's, that just strikes out at you. I mean, there's no Kershaw, there's no Scherzer, there's no Verlander, there's no Garrett Cole. It's Adam Wainwright and friends. <laughs> That's really what it is. So, honestly, like, I'm pretty sure half of the Cardinals team is on the U.S. team. You have uh, Goldschmidt, Wainwright, Arenado. And I think there's another pitcher in there. But... Honestly, I think at the end of the day, the reason that the U.S. didn't win this game is because Adam Wainwright can't start every single game for you, so you're going to have to use other pitchers, and those other pitchers aren't as good. Hitters get to them easily, and you win games by good pitching in this tournament. That's really what it is, because as we've seen it, I mean, hitters are going berserk. Literally, homer after homer or run after run. So good pitching is definitely something you want to have. But there's no, like, I mean, where are the Cy Young winners? Really? Uh, really no one. So honestly, I think that's just been a huge upset for the U.S. team and has put them in a position where now they might not even make it out of the pool round, which is something that they've never done in WBC history. They've always made it past the first round, and they might not even do that. So that is very concerning if you are a U.S. fan, for sure. Um, But yeah, so basically how it's looking like right now is that they're also currently in a pool with um, Great Britain, like I said, Canada, Mexico, Colombia. So really, they're kind of relying on everybody else to see how they play so maybe they could get in they did beat great britain so they're not like oh and one they're one and one right now but they faced canada today on monday so it's gonna be kind of a tough game canada has freddie freeman owen casey i want to say a few other guys but those are just the two that came to mind um and i mean they're not the strongest teams but they're a pretty strong team, stronger than Great Britain, so they're definitely going to need to step up today just because right now they're kind of in a danger zone because they are currently relying on Mexico, Colombia, and Canada on their outcomes in the games that they're playing to see if they should move, if they could move on or not, so pretty crazy for the U.S. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this to happen, but that's, I think, something that's so special and that I love about the WBC is that you never know what you're going to get because we currently had, like, a three-way tie or a four-way tie in the first pool round, and that's, like, another thing, too. Like, for tiebreakers, it just moves on to runs allowed per out in that deficit, so then whoever has the most or least or whatever, they move on. So that's kind of how it's looking like right now. So you kind of don't want to give up a lot of runs or, I mean, if you, for example, like what was that game? I think the Puerto Rico-Venezuela game that just played, Venezuela won by a lot and Puerto Rico caught up. But at the same time, like, although you scored six, you also let up nine. So 
that comes to a big play in that case, but the U.S. are in a position that they need to play well right now, so hoping for the best against Canada, and we'll see where that goes. Um, Let's move on, talking about the second, if not tied for first, hottest team in the WBC right now, Venezuela. Venezuela is showing up in Pool D. And I think they've been pretty underrated. Underrated in a way that I feel like prior to this whole thing starting, nobody has talked about them. But here they are with Jose Altuve, with Omar Narvaez, Salvador Perez, Luis Arias, Eduardo Escobar, Andres Jimenez, uh, Eugenio Suarez is on the team, Gleyber Torres, Ronald Acuna Jr., who we're going to talk about later, David Peralta, and this guy... Anthony Santander, who is been literally like their clutch hitter. Insane. Um, not to mention they also have Miggy, Miguel Cabrera on the team. So, I mean, they're looking pretty good. And that's not even talking about their pitchers who pitched yesterday. Pablo Lopez on the team. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Mm, Jose Alvarado pretty good so honestly this venezuela team is pretty stacked and has been underrated and they've definitely made their mark they're currently undefeated as well they beat both the dominican republic and puerto rico and the pitching has just been outstanding pablo lopez did what he did against puerto rico and went four or five innings and just shut them down um the bullpen is a little bit shaky But I do think that there's some guys in there who can give you a few innings, get you a few outs, but nobody like for sure, for sure. I think that's where a lot of uh, the opposing team starts to do its own damage. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, the hitters are pretty good. Acuna has to get going a little bit. He's been struggling, but finally got his first hit yesterday. Um, But I mean, there's really nothing to complain with this Venezuela team. I think they are going to take that first team spot in the pool and then it's really up to puerto rico or the dominican republic even israel you can argue um but yeah to see who takes that second team spot it's going to be interesting it really is uh that's really what i have to say about team venezuela and moving on to our last topic of this episode it's been kind of a long one but the wbc is interesting uh let's talk about great britain because I have a lot to say about this team. So for Great Britain, this is more than just a tournament. This is more than just a game. First, let's talk about their uniforms. That has been all the rage as of recently. Let's just say their uniforms aren't the best. They aren't as creative. They're definitely plain Jane. Um, Looks like they did just open a Google Doc and uh, started typing in Arial Bold, size 12 font. Great Britain, there you go. Um, but for the most part, it does the job, right? I'm, I'm trying to justify myself here, but definitely not the best that we've seen in the WBC. But that's not really what I'm going to talk about. Let's talk about the bigger picture here. So Great Britain, this is like, I think this is, might be their first time in the WBC. And they interviewed the coach, um, when was this, against the U.S. game. And the coach was just going on and on and talking about how a lot of people underestimate the amount of fans in Great Britain who follow baseball. And I think that was super interesting to hear because when you think Great Britain, you don't really think 
baseball. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. It's usually like soccer. Um, so to hear that, they said that a bunch of, they have a bunch of fans. They have a large group of like tar, diehard baseball fans who do follow American baseball and even the KBO, which is super cool. And yeah, so I think like this is just more to a, more than a game for Great Britain because I think they're trying to expand. It's not an I think moment, but it's what the coach said that this is just like an outlet to expand the popularity of baseball in Great Britain and kind of just create a larger community. Right now, they have minimal funding. I'm talking about the bare minimum, hence the uniforms. Um, So, I think, like, this is kind of like a, a sign or, like, a symbol to show Great Britain and, you know, the king and queen that this is something that the people love to enjoy that let's expand on this let's create our own league in great britain let's like grow baseball there and i think that's the main goal for great the great britain team in this wbc is to eventually grow their game in their own country which is pretty cool i have to say like they do not have very notable names i mean it's really just Trace Thompson and he's been their best player for the most part on the offensive side but honestly I think this is more just about the sport of baseball and expanding it and showing that hey like you may not know but we really enjoy this sport and we would really benefit from our own league so I think that's pretty cool honestly to see that um it's just more than a game for some of these teams so definitely wanted to mention that but that kind of wraps up our episode the last thing I did want to touch on really quick is just a game to watch this upcoming week uh really you should watch every single game because they're all very interesting but this Wednesday March 15th the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico will face head-to-head for a game which can really go in many different ways honestly this game is what will determine which of the two teams will move on to the next round which is going to be pretty exciting unless like israel pulls a sneaky one on us and they take the whole thing but honestly this is going to be a really good game so definitely tune in for that one um but yeah that's really all i got to say for this episode i say all i got to say like if this episode was only 20 minutes but i've been here for way too long and we talked so much baseball it's super exciting i will be back on friday with a regular cubs episode got a lot to talk about for spring training and yeah really what we got going on i'm pretty sure on next monday we'll talk about some new contracts that have been signed in major league baseball touched on the wbc just a little but for the most part i think we got the most basic stuff out of the way for now regarding like the first round uh there's definitely going to be more exciting things happening within the next few weeks but yeah so thank you guys again so much for listening to this episode stay tuned for friday if not you will hear from me on monday goodbye